Well, I'm happy to greet you in our master's name. Certainly it is good to be gathered together today. Today is a special day, the day that our Lord was resurrected, and we remember that. We actually celebrate that as, as a church, and, and uh, it's just a special day. I uh, have been blessed by the service this morning. I've been inspired. I've been touched, been moved. The list could go on. Uh, really appreciated the early singing as we came in, and, and it was the, the messages in those songs uh, can speak to our lives and to our needs and encourage us as well. I will just respond back to you that indeed the Lord is risen. You have said, we have said, the Lord is risen indeed. Indeed he has risen. And in thinking of Easter weekend, Easter Sunday, someone has said that today is the day that most Americans are in a church service. And uh, I trust you counted a privilege to be in a church service. I counted a true privilege each Sunday. And today we celebrate Christ's resurrection from the dead, and that is the foundation of our faith. If he had not risen, our faith would be in vain. And yet, every Sunday, we, we celebrate that as, as believers. And I trust in our lives, it's, it's a daily, it's a daily uh, appreciation as we live for him. I just want to thank you for your prayers. I don't stand behind the pulpit very often. I thank you for your prayers. I felt them this week as prepared for this message. I trust you've thought about the events the week before Christ's resurrection, his suffering, the things he went through, his death on the cross, and, and then he rose again. I trust you've thought about that some this week, and uh, it makes it more meaningful as we, as we think about his resurrection. For the message this morning, I invite you to the book of Colossians, chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 1 to 17. Colossians, chapter 3, 1 to 17. These are familiar verses as I was seeking direction for the message today. My thoughts, uh, as I was putting them together, my mind kept coming back to this passage. So we want to look at, at this passage and for a title, uh, Risen with Christ. And I trust that that's your experience, that you are risen with Christ and you are living in victory. I'll read Colossians 3, 1 to 17. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify there your mem therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also 
put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God ruin your hearts, to the which ye are also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. I have five points this morning we would, I'd like for us to look at. The first three have to do with our position in Christ. We are dead with him, we are risen with him, and we are hidden with Christ in God. And then the last two have to do more with the results of being in Christ, risen with Christ, that we take off the old self and we put on the new self. And so if we notice here in verse 3, it says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Ye are dead, or ye died. I'd like for us to go to Romans chapter 6, and we'll spend some time there looking at this being dead. We'll be coming back to Colossians after this. I'll be reading verses 1 to 7. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. In verse 4, it talks about being buried with him by baptism into death, or through baptism into death. Now, in the early church in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, when, when there was a great... Uh, evangelistic setting and, and many came to Christ 
and many repented and they were baptized. And it, it seemed like then, or back then, the baptism was closely associated with their salvation experience. Today, at least in our setting, it is, it's, it's a little more spread out. And so their baptism was an expression of their newness of life. And it is for us today, but it was closer, closely related. And so um, being buried with him, they have renounced, they have renounced sin, they have renounced self. And as they are baptized, they were raised to newness of life. This is brought out in verse 5, where it talks about being planted together, being planted together in the likeness of his death. Uh, another word we could use there is being united together in the likeness of his death. Christ died. He gave up. He gave up everything. He gave up self. He gave up his will. He gave up. He came to earth and he gave it all up. And that must happen to us as well if we are going to experience true salvation. Verse 6 talks about our old man being crucified with him. And, of course, we know that Christ was crucified on the cross and his life was gone. Um, the idea here is that our old man, our old nature, our old flesh needs to be destroyed and rendered powerless. And then verse 7 talks about being freed from sin. Once we have died, we have been freed from the power, set free from its power, its holding power. And sin does have its strongholds. And yet when we truly come to Christ and truly surrender our lives to him, we can be free from its power. We need to be dead to sin and alive unto God. I mentioned that Jesus was dead to self. We need to be dead to self. When Jesus was facing the suffering on the cross, he gave, his, he gave up his will to the will of the Father. He prayed, not my will, but thine be done. And we know there was much agony and that he prayed and that he sweated great drops of blood, as it were great drops of blood. And he gave up his will knowing what he would go through. Turn over to John chapter 12, if you will. Gospel of John chapter 12. I want to look at verses 23 to 25. Here Jesus is telling his disciples about his death which he knew would come. <clears throat> John chapter 12, 23 to 25, and Jesus answered them saying, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world 
shall keep it unto life eternal. We see here in verse 24 where Jesus used the example of a corn of wheat, or we could just say a seed. And he said if that seed just remains alone, it's, it's just going to die. If it's on top of the ground, and those of us, this is the time to be gardening and planting corn. And, and we, there's a lot of emphasis placed on getting that seed at the right place and getting it properly covered so that it will be fruitful. Jesus said, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. So if, it just is, if it's just there on top, it's, gonna, it's just going to get eaten by a bird or, or maybe it'll just be there till it rots and it will not bear fruit. But if it die, it bringeth much fruit. And so, the same is true with us. When we are truly surrendered to Christ, that seed needs to come in contact with not only the soil, but moisture, and it begins to break down, and then it springs forth life. And when we die, we give it all over to him, only then... Can we not only live and not be one seed, not be one individual, but we can bring forth fruit to bring many to Christ. And we can see how Christ's life was very fruitful and the lives of his disciples and the lives of us, we must, we can be fruitful as well. But only if we surrender our will and our life to him. I think it's very important we remember that. And so, Christ suffered and died for us, and through him, through his redemptive work, we can die and come to life and bring forth much fruit. Secondly, I'd like to look at being risen with Christ. I'll read Romans 6, 4. We've already read it. I would like to reread it out of the out of another version, the New International Version, talking about being risen with Christ. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory, we too may live a new life. Through the glory of the Father, Christ was raised to from the dead, through the glory of the Father. And as I stated earlier, his resurrection is the foundation for our faith. And as Christ was raised from the dead, we too may live a new life. Not only have a new life, but live a life. Live a life pleasing to him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Back in our chapter, Colossians 3, chap, Colossians chapter 3, excuse me, we have some more instruction on how to live, how to live for him. Chapter 3, verse 1, 
If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. And then in verse 3, or on verse 2, set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. We are to seek those things above and set our affection or set our minds on things above. And we live today in a very corrupt society, very corrupt world around us. And how do we live in victory in, when we have these pressures? When we have these pressures to, to give up or we face discouragement or we face doubt, we need to seek things above. Perhaps our, we need to consider is our affection set on things of lasting value lasting eternal value or on earthly things that perish. We are to set our affection, we are to set our mind on things above. And we could ponder that thought. I thought about um, we make choices from day to day on the things above or the things below. And what about our music that we, that we listen to? Is it music from the heavenly or is it music from the earthly? And we could carry that over into many areas of our lives, of our experience. Are we truly setting our mind on things above or on things below? If we are risen with Christ, we will, have, we will be a new creature. We will have a newness of life. It doesn't mean we won't face, we will face temptation, but let's be faithful in focusing on things above as God reveals them to us. In the last, in the last part of this passage, it talks about letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, and those are truly the things above. Now, we have responsibilities as we're here to provide and to live, and God has placed that responsibility on us, and yet let's don't let that get in the way of our faithfulness to him. Let's put him first in all areas of our lives and, and leave it to him. The third area of being risen with Christ is that we are hidden with Christ in God. In verse 3, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Let's turn back to the Gospel of John chapter 20. I want to look at verses 11 to 18. And I know we studied about Mary Magdalene some and the power of Christ's resurrection. We've already studied that in our Sunday school lesson, and, and I appreciate that. But I felt like that I believe that Mary Magdalene's life is in a true example of being hidden with Christ in God, and I'd like to bring that out. Verses 11 to 18 of chapter 20. <clears throat> but Mary stood, at, stood without 
at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and seeth two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be, a gar be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith to her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. <clears throat> Some things to notice about, about Mary Magdalene. Jesus had cast seven demons out of her and healed her of that. So she had been forgiven much by him. Uh, she was weeping in verse 11. She stood without the sepulcher weeping. And, and it's very evident of her devotion to Jesus. When Jesus startled her and called her by name, what came out? She said, Master or Teacher. She viewed Jesus for who he was. That word is translated into teacher in some other versions. So I would just say the master teacher. And, and we know that Jesus taught as one having authority and not as the scribes. He, he was the word and the word was with him. The word was in him. The word was with God and the word was God. She recognized him for who he was. And then we have his words to her, and I think these are some of the most reassuring words that any disciple of Christ can hear. Jesus said to her, touch me not, he said, I've not ascended yet, telling her that that would come. But he said, you go to my brethren, Go to the disciples, go to the followers of, of me, and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father, and to your Father, to my God, and to your God. And so here Jesus was telling her that I've just risen from the dead, and I'm going to go back to my Father, and to your Father, Mary. We have the same Father. What a blessing! And to my God and to your God, her faith was rewarded right there. What a blessing. We can have that same blessing as we are hidden with Christ in God. It was through her faith in Jesus that she had her place in God. Through her faith in Jesus. We sing the song, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. 
Let me hide myself in thee, thinking of being hidden with Christ in God. Rock of ages cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Save me from its guilt and power. Christ sacrifice the double cure, not only of the guilt of sin, but the power of sin that can pull us down. We can have newness of life and live above that as we claim his power. Also included in being hidden with Christ in God is brought out in the very first verse of Colossians chapter 3. It says that he is seated at the right hand of God. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And he is there interceding for us. Again, Christ interceding for us and brings us into a right relationship with God. We are hidden with Christ in God. And so we have the new life. We've been cleansed. We've been cleansed from its guilt and power. Uh, but yet we need to apply this to our life. And in verses 5 to 9, uh, he talks about putting off, uh, putting off these things of the old life. Put off all these in verse 8. And he mentions anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, and so, blasphemy and so on, and filthy communication. And I would just say, I don't want to spend much time on this. That's the old life. We're focusing on the new today. But may it not be named among us to be people that are experiencing or, or uh, that have these things in our lives, uh, especially filthy communication. What is our testimony as we live and work among people? We are to put these off and lie not one to another. Uh, the idea of putting off and taking on or putting on, it's like changing our garments. And, you know, we can come in from the barn or whatever and be all dirty or, in our experience, it seems like we get the most, our clothes get soiled the most when we climb the silo and take the cover off and it's just a mess. And you come down and it's like, I just can't wait to get out of these old dirty clothes and get on some new ones. And you know, it, it, does, uh, it does a lot of good. And so we need to take these things off. And so it's not something that we can do on our own. We do it, we need to do it, we need to put forth the effort to put these things off. When we come to Christ, we have things in our life that need cleansing. And we, we have bad habits. We have things that are difficult to overcome. And yet, with his help, we, with God's help, we can put off these. And so I just challenge us to do that. And then to put on the new self, and I'd like to just lift out a few of these, putting on the new self. Uh, verse 10, I think, is probably, probably the key verse in this passage, talking about putting, off, putting on the new. 
that I was blessed by this verse. It says, And having put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. The new man being renewed in knowledge after the image of God. Renewed in knowledge after the image of God, the one that created him. And as we think of the new man and putting on the new man and walking, walking um, with God, this knowledge after the image of God has the idea of the wisdom and understanding how God would have us to live. And so being renewed in knowledge after the image of God, having the, when we face circumstances, when we face uh, situations that are difficult, um, and when we live life, that it's this knowledge after the image of God. You know, God created man in his own image, not only in a physical sense, but also in the sense that, that we have the ability to, to make decisions and and to earn a living and to, to whatever it may be. And we also have the ability and the understanding to live right. And his instructions are here in his written word. And we need to apply that wisdom and understanding of how God would have us live in our daily lives. And so some of those things are things of the Holy Spirit in verse 12. You know, we've talked about the fruit of the Spirit before and this reminded me of that, um, put on bowels of mercy, kindness, meekness, long-suffering. Also, we are to forgive as Christ forgave us as we face uh, situations from day to day. During Christ's crucifixion, he, we have record that he forgave at least two times and probably more than that, but he forgave those who crucified them, crucified him. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He also forgave the thief on the cross. So Christ forgave them. He forgave me. He forgave you. Forgive as Christ forgave you. Put on charity. Put on love. Um, the greatest of these is love. And I would just say that in relationships and putting on these things, that perhaps love is the lotion that brings it all together. The, the love is what helps us to, to maybe be more forbearing and, and maybe be more kind and, and so on. Above all, put on love. The greatest of these is love. Also, part of the new self is having God's peace, not only in our hearts, but letting it rule our hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. It's the overruling factor when with Christ's peace in our, in our hearts, then we can dwell in unity. We are to Allow 
not allow, but to let the word of God dwell in us richly. Verse 16, we've talked about that some already, and we're to do all for God's glory in verse 17. Truly we have been forgiven much and given much through our resurrected Lord. And we have so much to be thankful for. I trust this has been helpful as we live for the Lord, live for each other, live in harmony with the scriptures in our everyday walk in life. The verse that's been going through my mind this week in conclusion, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Shall we sing? <laughs>